Welcome to Clark Lane. I'm Mick Jones, director and cinematographer at Filthy Look Films, and this is a podcast where we talk about all things filmmaking. And on this episode, we have Simon Colloden, who is a cinematographer, and he has shot a movie called A Lion Returns. Welcome. Thanks for having me. No worries. Well, how did this come about? This is your first feature film that you have shot. Yep. So yep. that's kind of a big deal. I've never shot one. I'd love to shoot one. Mm. Um, how did it come about that you shot a movie? Um, I did a small filming job for a friend of mine and um, her daughter was having an audition tape filmed and her acting teacher... Uh, had been involved with writing this film and um, he, we kind of hit it off, got along and he put me in touch with the director, Sir Hat Carradine, who previously directed um, Cedar Boys. Right, I've heard of that. I heard yeah. that that was good. Yeah, no, it was a good film. Um, and most people say too, they, they say they've heard of it and it, did, it was released in Australian cinemas. Um, so he put me in touch with... Um, the director and and I met up with the director and and he we hit it off and that was it. Was there a process of like just doing any like well, let's just do a scene and see how we work together or just no, sort of no yeah. not at all no just Sir Hat is um yeah he knows what he wants he's a pretty passionate director passionate filmmaker and uh, he just met me and he he saw my reel and he liked what he saw I think. Awesome. And, well, uh, obviously. Yeah. And uh, he was, yeah. And Well, what's yeah. it about? What's the film about? So it is about, I won't give away too much, but it is about a young boy, young man, who returns from overseas to see his dying mother, to visit his dying mother. It's, you know, his dying mother's overseas or here? Here, here in Australia. Okay. So he's returned from overseas. Um, now he's returned from Syria and surrounding areas, possibly doing uh, questionable activities. He's a young Muslim boy and um, he makes his way back to visit his mother. You don't want to give too much away. <laughs> no, no, no. He just visit, comes back to visit his mother and uh, the confrontation that occurs. It right. happens in real time, 90, uh, 90 minutes real time. Okay. Um which is a very hard thing to shoot on a uh, low-budget, micro-budget right. feature. Mm. Um, well, that's funny you should mention that because I just saw the trailer for 1917. Right, yeah. Uh, the featurette about that being a well, real-time Well, movie. that's a real-time. This is, this is not one shot. Yep. It's, um, it just happens over real-time. So it's multiple angles and cuts and all that, but it just happens. But still, that's, that's a huge challenge for continuity of everything. Well, yeah, it, it was... It was we filmed it over 11 or 12 days mm -hmm. and it was the... In Sydney? In Sydney. Um, it was the hardest 11 or 12 days of my life. Mm. And, you know, it is a micro-budget film and with a limited crew, limited resources and limited time. And um, So tell us about the crew that you had on it. Um, I had a great crew of... I had, uh, I had two camera operators... Um, 
Uh, was it running two cameras simultaneously? Running two cameras at the same time. Okay. Two camera operators, two camera assistants, uh, second AC servicing both, and um, and me. But uh, and the and the camera crew was great. Um, they were kind of they were kind of all relatively new in the industry. Um, but uh, was the choice for going with two cameras to just kind of for time, 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 and yeah, yeah and yeah. it's also a real time story, real time I mean? story, yeah. But it was just more time. Um, honestly, I would have much preferred to do one if we had the time. I feel that would have been, um, in terms of a lighting, right? Well, this is going in terms of the lighting aspect that would have been much easier for me. So was the the, the two cameras basically? I mean, I guess depend. It's dependent on the scene, right? But uh, were they like? Yeah, there were, there were a number of times where I said, "No, just one camera for this," mm. and we just had to do it. I just didn't want the second camera because it was just it was not a good angle, and it was it was um, if I were to try and to if I was if I were to try to squeeze a second camera in there, it would have just um, uh, we would have sacrificed something. I think. Yeah, yeah. So what? Um that's a, that's a fairly decent crew to have for, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, a, you've yeah. got some support there. You've got yeah, yeah. We, 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 you know, there was enough people on set. Definitely. And you know. what format did you shoot it on? What, uh, what gear did you use? So I used. I've got an old red Scarlet X, a couple of years old now, and we rented another one of those. So we had two Scarlets. Uh, we were using Canon Cine Primes, and yep. we were using um, uh, Tiffin Black Pro Mist filters. Right. And um, what was the uh, sort of locations that you had to light and any lighting considerations? Look, the, har- the hardest thing was continuity. And a- at some point, you, I kind of had to give up a little bit on in terms of lighting continuity. Um, mm-hmm. There are, you know, the first three days, the first... I won't actually say that, but the first three days we're filming in a car. Right. So there's a big scene that takes place in a car. And although it goes for a certain amount of time, it, it has to we, – we filmed it over three days. Yeah. We, had, we literally had rain, not hail, rain, cloud, sunshine. <laughs> we had it all. Um, uh, right. And is the car moving? The car is not moving. Okay. Um, I actually – Almost wish it was. That would have actually made any continuity issues right. more forgiving. But yeah. um, no, it's a stationary car. It was very hot in the car. I'm so happy I wasn't in the car filming. Wow. I'm yeah. actually on. I generally like to operate, but I didn't operate on this film apart from a few days. Mm. We, we, we couldn't get both operators. But um, uh, I was actually very happy not to operate, be operating on this because it could give me time to focus on other things on 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 the framing really looking stepping back and what looking watching the framing mm. lighting stuff like that so it was great to have two very skilled operators um for me that first scene is i do cringe a little bit in terms of the continuity right um but when i did see the final cut and grade recently uh i was pretty happy mm. i definitely there's a few things stand out to me but overall given the resources given the time I was pretty happy with how it turned out. Yeah. Um, I, I might have done a few things differently. Just this scene you're talking about. Just yeah. this scene. Yeah. It's it sounds like a challenge though. Like any time where you've got, where you're, you know, weather dependent yeah. and it's changeable, yeah. it's just, it's it's so hard. Yeah, and, and you're filming inside with windows everywhere in a car. They're, they're in the back seat of a car. You know, that, you know, the, some of the, sometimes the outside's blown out and sometimes it's not. So yeah. 
there's all these things that are the cine- as a cinematographer that you look at and you go, oh, you know, and and also because we're shooting two cameras, you know, if I was shooting one camera on one person, I could try to shape the light a bit more, mm. um, but I couldn't really do that because of our two camera situation. So what? Okay, stationary car. Yeah. Um, characters in the car. Yeah. How did you cover it? Yeah, or how did you deal with the lighting? What what was there? Did we, you scrim it? Did you we, bounce? We it? had I had a, um I had some gels. I can't remember what density, but some ND gels on the car on the back car window, mm-hmm. and then occasionally on the side. Um, I had I had two uh, two point five k HMIs, like ancient HMIs. Yeah, uh, pointing through scrims um, into the car. And then, and so you, you gelled the windows because and, and, you wanted and, detail out there still. Yeah, a little bit. Just mm. didn't want to completely blow it out. And also, we had over the, the whole time we had a, a, a twenty by twenty scrim over the right over the car. Okay, there's so a whole bunch of things I would have done differently. Um, right. there, you know, but I, I probably would have simplified the lights a bit more. Actually, that mm. made it maybe maybe smaller lights. But um, we had another HMI as well, just occasionally when. We got cloud just to brighten things up even more. Mm. Um, but look, I will say I'm happy overall with it, given the circumstances and the budget. Um, but that car scene, in terms of lighting consistency, for me to my eye, it's not perfect. But hopefully, um, we got away with it. Yeah, know? well, I'm sure you did. Uh, the what are the other um, locations that you sort of had so to work the, in? the the rest of the film takes place in a house. Okay. So the characters go into the house from the car. Yeah. And so it takes place outside the house, in the backyard, in the front yard, in the side of the house and inside the house. So um, so what sort of challenges do you run into with daytime exteriors when you're not in the car? So the stuff in the backyard, what did you do look, there? The, the biggest thing, again, is just uh, lighting consistency and the sun's out and then it's not out and then it's cloudy and it's not cloudy and it's raining. Um, the day that we had the most exteriors, somehow we were given cloudy skies all day. Right. And we just needed to really pump through the... So you're just going au natural on that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So pretty much anything outside, the, 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 all we would do outside is occasional scrim over mm-hmm. the actors, occasional bounce. Yeah. Um, but that was it, really. Nothing, nothing more than that. And the interiors, how did you deal with that? So, um, the director has a um, uh, he does not like film lighting. He likes very natural mm-hmm. um, lighting, which I like too. That's my thing. Um, yep. And uh, you try to explain that you want it, even though you're film using film lighting. Um, it's going to look natural, but uh, generally he doesn't like the sight of a of a light mm-hmm. inside. So because um, once once you've seen that and you've got it in your head that it is artificial, sure, sometimes sure, people sure. you kind of yeah, I've, I've been in those situations. Yeah, I've been, yeah, I, and I've yeah I've absolutely gone. Oh, that doesn't <laughs> look right. And then you see it on camera. Yeah, I once did I did a short film a couple of years ago, and we had to do a, a pickup shot, and it was in an apartment that was during the day, but the pickup shot we had to do at night. Um. So I put a HMI through a scrim and filmed this close-up of this guy. And to me, to my eye, I'm like, oh, that's not going to work. Mm. E- even looking on the, at the shot, it just didn't look natural. Right. 
And then in the cut, I saw it and I thought, oh, did they film that again? Right. It was that good. Like it, it matched that it well. It matched flawlessly. Yeah. So I think sometimes we, it's very hard to do. You have to step out of your yeah. own head and yeah. your own like forget about what's going on behind the camera and around the camera and put that away and, and go, how's an audience going to view this? Yeah. I, it's very hard to do. I've personally been in those situations before where I've forgotten that we've got a HMI outside a window yeah. and it's beaming in and, mm. and, mm. and you're just going about the shots and you're doing mm. your coverage and all that sort of thing. And then, then you turn it off. Turn it off and you're like, oh, right, oh. I forgot we had that out <laughs> and there. And the place is dark. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And so, you yeah. know. It's, so, yeah. It's also, yeah, your perception of it, if, whether it's natural or not. But yeah. once you, you're in the mode of accepting it, for what it is it kind of starts to feel yeah. natural even in not even on camera but in you know on the set mm-hmm. and so that's cool so you know as it, we were very in terms of uh, we didn't really have a gaffer or mm-hmm. or a, a, a truck full of lights right. so all the lights were some were rented and borrowed and some I own and but someone did gaff it but you didn't have a gaffer package kind of no. deal. Well, someone did gaff it, but it, it, it's a bit complicated. Yep. It was one of the camera operators also had the role of being in charge of the lights. Right. So it so was well, it was yeah. a bit of a team effort. Yeah. You know? Boggy and everyone's got to... Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't recommend that. But look, this is all we had. This you say is, it was, well, yeah, sure. One of the camera operators. Yeah. Say. Yeah. So, so that, but that's... But we had other people on the team and even I would just jump in and adjust some things sometimes i was happy to do that um but it's it wasn't an ideal just situation. don't do it while they're rolling a take exactly and be in the background yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll be done professionally but uh we that the because it was all the one location you know well the two locations the car which was mm. outside the house and then inside the house you know we kind of put hmis out windows and that was our lighting yeah, we didn't really have any lighting inside the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that look. I, yeah. I love having, I love lighting scenes from yeah. outside the room. Yeah, look or I, wherever it is. Yeah, and it worked great. And uh, you know, uh, ideally, I would have the house we had was great. But ideally, from a lighting point of view, I would have preferred a different house. But I, we just, I just didn't have any choice in that matter. But mm-hmm. we made it work. Um, and yeah, we, we lit from all we had were HMIs outside the window mm-hmm. and pointing in and. Um, some scrim when you come to setting up your shots and exposing do you use exposure exposure tools do you use a light meter do you use waveforms no, do you so use false colors how on, do you on the red i use the red histogram right now i generally don't like histograms on any other camera other than red for some mm-hmm. reason and that's an rgb looking yeah it's yeah. an rgb mm-hmm. and i absolutely rely on them i use waveform for every other camera but on red, I don't. I use the histogram, mm. and um, you know, it it the little bar on the end lights up red if you're overexposing, and it lights up red on the other end on the left side if it's underexposed. As a as a, a snapshot of the whole frame, kind of. Yes, yeah, like snapshot of the whole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's um for me, it's a pretty clear indication of things, and and um. Well, it's a what you see is what you get kind of yeah. digital world anyway. Yeah, yeah pretty um, much. Yeah. And when you when you're going through and you're setting up the lighting, mm. are you do you eyeball it? Do you try yeah. and go? F- you're just eyeballing it. Yeah. This is this is. I like the look of that. Let's let's do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, 
Are you, you know, just in terms of a style that you work, do you are you the type of person that will you know get quite technical and look at things like contrast ratios and nope. on, and all no, that sort no, of stuff? No, not not interested in mm. that. Just uh, no, it just yeah. doesn't um, excite me. That I'm type of stuff. I, I I look at an image. I, I create an image I like, and then um, use the tools available to me to keep consistency yeah through the scene but that's me too that's yeah. to my taste to do that i kind of eyeball it set it up and yeah and see how it feels in the, in the scene yeah. i don't really yeah. i don't get very scientific about no no that to me and that's totally respect anyone who does but to me um when numbers come into my brain too much with you know all that stuff. I right. just, I just kind of, the face of this. Yeah, I kind of switch off. I kind of switch off a bit. Mm. Um, not that this. I mean, this film because of the speed and rush and all that. It, it, I didn't always get the opportunity to have it looking exactly the way I wanted to to look. Um, it's it's it is a rough kind of film, but overall, I think it lends to the the, the movie, the story. Um, so I'm happy with it. Mm. Um, but you know, I could certainly happily on on lots of it i could have spent more time always and it's never finished never right? you finished. always need sure, more time sure sure with the just going back to the the person setting the lights for you mm. and and what sort of relationship did you have to have with them in terms of i mean they're doing a couple of roles obviously mm. so do you when you're working with someone who's doing lighting are mm. you telling just how do you work do you Tell them specifically what I tell instruments them, uh, well, you want. In this case, how you want I it. tell them specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, because this, he, uh, he wasn't a professional gaffer. Yeah, um, but he had worked on set before, so he knew how to use lights and stuff. But he wasn't a gaffer, so, right? Um, so it's I good. would certainly take suggestions, but in this case, no. I I just said I want it here, I want it there. And that's what we and that's what we do. And I guess communication on your part just had to be key for that. Like yeah, it's quite yeah. specific and yeah, quite, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, because exactly, you don't yeah. have the time. No, no, no. Oh. So no, no. But uh, we, we kept it simple. We didn't use a huge amount of lights, lots of natural light. We kept it just as simple as we could, really. Um, and the, the main goal, as uncreative as this sounds, was to um, keep it consistent and not have it look. And, and keep it natural looking, consistent and natural looking. So when you're doing a creative co- collaboration, mm. filmmaking or a- anything, music, mm. art, there's bound to be people with different opinions and, yeah. and, and we always hear the term, you know, you've got to pick your battles and mm. know when to stand up for the things that you want. Did you have any challenges, creative differences? I'm sure there must have been some oh, because yeah, there yeah. is on everything. And yeah, how totally. do you resolve them? How do you work through them? <laughs> um as the director would say, we had a few terse moments. Terse. That's the word he That's uses. Word. Um, I'm sure he'd remember that. I'm sure he probably will listen to this at some point maybe. But, uh, you know, so we had a few moments. But um, As you do. As you do. But That's I how you deal it, with it. It was fine. We, we you know, um, there were a few times where I wanted to do something one way and he wanted it to be done a different way. And generally... Sometimes I would push back and other times I would go, okay. And look, at the end of the day, we made it work. And yeah, well, the, the, and he's w- w- and we've worked together again since then on, on some smaller projects. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a game of compromise at, at yeah. on every level mm. and how much you choose to compromise and how much yeah. you don't. And yeah. how, you know, 
keep not losing sight of the yeah. end product mm. and the workflow and all of that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So it's yeah. I mean, the, you know, I was jumping into something, and I'm, you know, I've not, I hadn't done a feature before. Um, I've, I've, you know, um, I've got a lot to learn, and I was jumping in with this, um, qu- this successful director. Mm. So it was also a very uh, intimidating situation to be in. So, you know, when I did push back, I, I feel like I I did hold back a little bit in some areas. Mm. Um, but, you know, I'd work again with this director. Um, right. And... Um, what, are some of the, yeah. what, what, what are some of the things that you learnt from it? I mean, I take away stuff from everything I shoot. What, you must have learnt a few things that you sort of can carry forward onto the next thing maybe whether it's you know um i learned a lot about myself right um i probably knew this like for me it's you know i know we are in charge of making the the images make them work for the story but to me and to you story is paramount story is everything Mm. so i went into this wanting to know the script back to front and i think aside from the director i probably knew the script just as well as he did yeah um, and, and i was really proud of that i sometimes i doubt myself in i have doubts about my ability to um what am i trying to say i'm not sure what well the, these decisions that these you know creative decisions that you're making mm. have to support the story yeah yeah it, and, it, and even though the film was in, we, we were filming it out of order mm. as well. So right. I wanted to know where someone was coming from and where they were going because we weren't with the same characters all the time. We were jumping between different characters. Yeah. So I wanted to know where they were the last scene and all. I just wanted to be absolutely across that. So I, I had my notes and everything. And even there were even times where there was, well, there was one time in particular where um, I had, I, told the director what was before the scene and he was like oh is uh, it i'm like yeah all right <laughs> we so had a laugh, script you know? supervisor as yeah, well yeah <laughs> um uh but yeah I was, I was i was really proud of myself for all the work that i put into it well what kind of preparation apart from knowing the script backwards what let's go back a bit yeah. um what kind of preparation did you need to do how long did it take storyboarding mood boards no talk, no um w- me, Sirhat and I sat down and watched a bunch of movies together, mm-hmm. and um, he very much likes uh, independent European films, uh, lots of which I hadn't heard of. Mm-hmm. But um, so this is to find the visual tone of it, yeah, just to yeah, just to get an idea of what he likes and mm. you know what he doesn't like, and um, I, I feel like in general, in terms of taste, I'm I'm I totally love his style and what he likes so i think we connected in that way and um what is the visual tone of it what's the what's the aesthetic um simplicity natural handheld not always handheld but mostly handheld Mm -hmm. and um so a bit of life in the frame yeah but just not like nothing that looks artificially lit and nothing that looks you know like, yeah, just very naturalistic looking. Um, One of the things I was going to talk about, it's sort of, I mean, we kind of have touched on it, which mm. is when you're going for 
a lit look versus a naturalistic look mm. and and you know when you just don't care and, and there's there's a, there's always stories and and two of them spring to mind and they're both from Roger Deakins mm-hmm. and one most recently was watching the featurette on 1917 yeah. and there was a line that he said in there well, we're shooting at 360 degrees in real time there's nowhere to put a light yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. often i am surprised at how simplistic mm. the uh approach can be yeah. because he's servicing ultimately like that's the ultimate thing yeah, of, yeah. Of, of a cinematographer serving servicing the story mm-hmm. we can't put lights up but we've got to tell this story in this way because yeah. it's going to be very powerful yeah and the other one was the famous shot of the train in, yeah, uh, in jesse in, james yeah yeah Where, the the story that story about him, the, the, the the story of the the now legendary story mm-hmm. of he didn't want to light it uh, well he had lo- well he did well, he, he yeah. did have lights and he set them up and then at the last minute he decided to turn them off yeah so he had lights that were lighting the trees and and all that and and i I believe he said that he got them he got the gaffer to turn the lights towards the producer's tent yeah so it's still so them it still looked like these expensive very expensive lights (laughs) were still being used yeah um and I'm like, really? Someone at that level has to do that? Has to cover their tracks like that and, and, and make the producers think uh, they're using the lights? Yeah, I loved it. It's a f- <laughs> fascinating and funny story. And yeah, but, but it ends, but the decision was right. And you look at that, that scene from Jesse James and it's, it's, a, it's such an amazing looking scene. Like the, the thing that, that, you know, comes from these moments, comes back to what I was saying before about picking battles and, mm. and that kind of thing. And this could be on any project short film commercial a music video whatever if there's other people this is a collaboration you're, you're servicing a client or mm. a director or or whatever it may be mm. you come to these moments where you i think i always find it challenging if i think it's right to have this shot completely natural mm. i will often have a conversation in my head about what the other creatives involved might think of that right and 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 i've been in situations where it's suggested that we're just rushing through mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. we you know we're not, we don't care about the lighting because we're not going to use it in this shot and i always find that a, a, a real challenging moment as a cinematographer because it's for, to many people that are, that aren't doing it it's seen to be the job where you're it's all about lighting mm-hmm. and if you're doing scenes and you're choosing not to have anything I always find those moments quite a challenge sometimes to mm. to convince the other people that it's the right thing to do because it's like, well, you have to have lights. It's yeah, a you yeah. know a movie, but no, not always. Yeah, I feel like um, I've I've seen some pretty experienced cinematographers work, and I've seen behind the scenes and stuff, and I've gotten to a point where everyone has their own I'm, way. I'm, I'm confident enough to know that it's done. It's done all types of ways, and. Sometimes it's necessary not to use artificial light or even bounce. It's just whatever works for, you know, whatever works for the story, whatever works for the cinematographer. Like, wh- why does it matter what is going on behind the frame, outside of the frame? Does the frame look right for the story? Mm. If it does, then good, that's it. 100%. Like, you know, but like there's things, there's other things that we're doing. We're getting the exposure right where all the other camera settings and you know, there's a whole bunch of other things. We're framing it. I'm you always know, fascinated. All this other hard work that we're putting into it, but, you know, 
I'm, I'm always fascinated to hear about how other cinematographers work because as a DP, if you're on jobs as a DP, mm. you, you're not working with and watching other Another DPs. DP, yeah, yeah. You, it's kind of like I've talked to other, you know, people like gaffers as well. Mm. If you're mm. the, the gaffer on it, you're the, you're the gaffer. Yeah, you're not yeah. watching how other people do it. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's um, and every and everyone has a different way. There's no yeah. right or wrong way. This yeah, is yeah. a creative process, and mm. I'm always fascinated to see and hear how other DPs work. And I got to talk to so many of them when I did that camera shootout for Zakudo mm, mm, those years ago. Mm. And it just blew me away how to achieve the same result, mm. people will have vastly different, vastly mm. different methods. Yeah, Some simple, some complicated, well, some... What I love, and out of my favourite cinematographers, what I love is most of them, most of the time, whenever I see anything kind of behind the scenes or any time they talk about a scene... What I love is, in general, it's always simple. Simple lighting, mm. simple techniques, and they're not obsessed with the technology. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, love, I love film technology. It helps us work. It helps us make things, do things interesting, and new cameras, all that. I love getting in conversation with that, of course. But, you know, you ask Roger Deakins about the technology cameras, and he doesn't. He's not interested. Even he said, you know, I'll shoot it on a phone if I have to. Like, mm. he just, he just, it's not important to him. What important? What's important is the story, the frame, and the light. And, um, you know, people get a bit obsessed about what type of camera it was shot on or, you know. Oh, 100%. Like, it, uh, the audience doesn't care. They and don't. Not, we're not making films for other filmmakers. We're making it for the audience. If and, you... yeah. You know, I was talking to Steve Weiss about this uh, and about, you know, because well, everyone, I still like, I'm still interested in the gear and the tech. Cool. Yeah. The best kind of gear is that, the best kind of technology for me is the one that gets, gets out, out of the, the way. way. Yeah. And just, you, you're doing the creative thing. Mm -hmm. You're not bogged down in kind of, in a technological, you know, exploration. Oh, yeah, there, 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 some, there are some... Yeah. Oh, like if you, if you, this is an honest answer for mm, me. Mm. The camera is almost the, the type of camera I'm going to shoot something on is yeah. almost the last, yeah, like important thing. Mm. It's a, it's everything that's going on in front of that lens yeah. from lighting to mm. performance to mm. story to mm. costume to mm. production design, then through the lens. And then when it finally hits that yeah. sensor. That's the last port of call. If everything else in front of that is just amazing, yeah, and it doesn't matter what you th capture. There's been with. times where I've been caught up in that, in the whole, you know, that's oh, that's not going to be good enough for a movie, this and that. But um, you know, like think about the Canon C three hundred. That camera is what seven years old, mm -hmm. maybe. Yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. and um, think about that camera, and, and you know, it's a great camera. But would I think? feature film for that camera I, I wouldn't i would actually almost go oh, i don't want to shoot on that but then you look at a m movie like blue ruin i don't know if you've seen that's an indie um indie film american film from a couple of years ago and then another film um which also has blue in the color in the name it's called blue is the warmest color they're completely unrelated but they're yep. both shot on c300s right and they both look amazing mm. and you'd be blown away blue ruin almost looks like it's shot on film yeah, you're blown away to find out it's shot on that camera, but then you just realise, oh wait, it's the skill of the cinematographer. Yeah, that's what's made that film look filmic, not the camera. I really liked the um, 
the the Mobius film that came out at launch with that camera that Vincent Lafarge. Yes, um, um, I think he directed it and. Uh, uh, Polly Morgan, did she? Polly Morgan, shoot it? yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. No, that she was great. on the Takudo shootout as oh, well. Oh, right. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was. Just, she, she, I, I really like her work. It's great. Yeah, um, super talent. Yeah, yeah. And that the look of that just to me, I was like, wow, because this yeah. was kind of the first. This I think this was the first Canon camera after the yeah, DSLR. The yeah, yeah. And it was like, holy shit! This is this really does look like really high quality cinema it doesn't seem to be you know having any issues and that mm. was quite an exciting time and um yeah and we're at a point now where all of these all of the cameras can can you know get a great looking yeah, image and it's that, it. it's that's it's what's going on in front of the lens that is has got to be the focus and mm. and that's why i'm kind of like i enjoy working with gear that doesn't hinder that at all i don't have to compensate for it i guess yeah. is what i'm saying yeah. it's going to capture what i see and and well, you look at the alexa and like obviously considered the best mm-hmm. range of cameras around but like it's not only a great camera but it's so simple to use it's abs- it's the easiest camera i've i have used them without doing any kind of training on them or yeah. Looking at it, just yeah, it's intuitive to be able to use it and set it up. So, so then I wonder why some other cameras aren't aren't as immediately pleasing in terms of image, mm. but are more complicated to use. I don't understand mm. why some cameras are complicated to use. Yeah, I mean we could pick them up and just use them with you know, but mm. yeah. why is the top of the range camera so simple to use? Yeah, it's um. It's a joy to to work with that. Mm. I um, I was reminded of a uh, a conversation that was happening w- around the time I think it was around the time S Log Three was introduced on the Sony cameras, mm. and there was all kinds of conjecture about uh, whether it was noisier than S Log Two or perceived as noisier, or mm. you know, and then all these there was a lot of debate and conversation in the cinematography community of people who use these mm, f55 mm, mm. Uh, as to how to correctly expose this new gamma curve and it was almost it was just mind-numbing to me i'm not i am not interested in that mm. and as a as a dp it's it was coming to the point where where we had to compensate mm. on on set mm. for a technological yeah. thing that had yeah, been introduced. Yeah, weren't people like the F fifty five is um, ISO twelve fifty, but yes. weren't people saying to rate it at yeah. eight hundred mm-hmm. or something like that, or yeah. six six fifty, and which means you're still recording twelve fifty, yes. but you are um, look, monitoring six fifty six forty ISO. Yeah, but then I think to myself, okay, that's great, but then you pass that on to a client. And not every job you can explain. Not every job you can explain. You know, you have to bring it down by this many stops or whatever. No, and so it's like you pass it on to the client. They go, well, "What the hell is this?" But the thing <laughs> that the, the the thing that was I found maddening about that whole debate yeah. was that the general consensus was mm. overexpose it by one to two. Let's just say two stops, yeah. whatever it was. That's not you can't generalize it like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right. That that's going to kill the noise yeah. in the shadows and stuff. Yeah. It's like what are you pointing I've at? I've actually been on a number of jobs, and I think you have as well. Where we're, we're actually we've come in, then they haven't used another 
person, their regular person, because they're unhappy with their work. And I, I've done a bit of digging and found out that they're shot on S log three. <laughs> yeah, right. And I, I have too. You, you've been through. I've been yeah. through that. And and I, I've never shot on S log three. I've just been. I don't own a, a Sony camera, but. I've heard great things and I've seen great things from S-Log3. Well, that's what they're running in the Venice, S-Log3. I've seen really great things mm. um, and then I've seen pr- problematic footage from it. So it's just it's 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 going to be an ongoing debate, I think. Sure, um, yeah. And and I'm not here to just shit on S-Log3. No, no. It's not to my taste sure. of how I want to work. I don't want to be monitoring one thing and compensating for sure, it and sure. overexposing. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to be able to work the way that I want to work yeah. without thinking about I've yeah. got to trick like, yeah, you, myself. Exactly. You, when you get an array, you shoot it. You can shoot at any ISO you want, firstly, which you can't do on a Sony. You can't, if you're shooting, you can't mm. go below their native ISO, it seems. Yeah. Um, unless you're shooting in a, in a hypergamma setting, is that right? Yeah. Right. But, yeah, if you want to shoot log and get full range, yeah, right. you stick. Yeah, you, yeah, that's fine. But at least w- with an array, you shoot at 800 and that's, that seems like it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> there's and no... This is the beauty Tricks. of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I really do. Same with Canon, same with Red and all that. There's no kind of do this to do that. I don't know. Yeah. And there was, you know, with these uh, exposure compensations uh, uh, being spoken about as a blanket thing, it's mm. like, well, are you, are you pointing that at a landscape? Yeah. Are you Have you got a foreground in shadow and a background? Mm. And when you bring it up by those two stops that you lose yeah. detail that you wanted to keep. Like yeah. it's just, it was just a crazy sort of way of... Yeah. Some people lo- love working that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are fully into it, and mm. you know, good luck to them. But um, I find that as soon as I'm, th- if I'm thinking about that stuff yeah, yeah. and not what I'm servicing yeah, yeah. the story, yeah, yeah, it's exactly. kind of I'm, I'm the same. I, I, I um, yeah, that that. I mean, I kind of, I kind with the red, I kind of do that. Like, I will shoot in a dark situation. I will shoot like 320 ISO with my red. Mm-hmm. Um, the native ISO is 800. Right. But the thing about the red is because it's raw, you hand that off and whoever gets the edit, they get it in 320. They can take it up to 800 if they want to. Like you can change the ISO in post. Yeah. So in a dark situation, I'll have it lit to some extent, but I'll shoot at 320 and there won't be an ounce of grain in the image. Right. And I'm not getting That's all the... I'm not getting all the dynamic range, sure, of the of the sensor. But, but your scene doesn't have it. But it doesn't need it. I'm not looking at windows and all that, and, mm. and you know. But um, and I've got uh, very clean blacks and all that, and it's lovely. And then I can, if I wish, I can take it up to 800, and th- this it's still good. Like it's just, it's just still it's just a bit brighter. Um, but I in dark scenes. Um, and this is a recommendation from Red. This is what Red recommends. Um, in a dark scene, you shoot with a lower ISO um, to have clean blacks, mm-hmm. no noise. And yep. In daylight um, or brighter scenes, you, you shoot with the or, or any scenes where you need the dynamic range, you shoot at the native ISO. Right. Um, so that's so I kind of have the same approach as those people are talking about with the Red. But my problem with the Sony is, well, you if you shoot, you're kind of stuck. You, you're not. When you give a when you if you're shoot, if you're rating it at a thousand ISO but it's recording two thousand ISO, then you give that footage to the client. They're not seeing what they saw right on set on the day. Yeah, that's so. That's what I mean. I'm sure there are post processes in place in in uh, for many production companies and many. And for every, I'm sure there's a process, a really 
great process where you know that you, you'd put it on the slate you know minus a stop or whatever and yeah in the blah 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 all that stuff that's fine but that doesn't work for every situation it doesn't that's true and that's it's, it works in an ideal situation ideal of course. And for every post uh workflow that's all set in place there's yeah. all there's there's multiple numb nuts that can be injected into yeah. the <laughs> workflow yeah. that don't pass on exactly. the message yep. or it gets yep. lost in translation yep. and then the, the the dp gets thrown under the bus in the yeah. in yeah. the grade yeah. yeah. what so was this person no, doing so i totally get there are processes for that and that's all good and that those things are great for certain situations and certain processes and but but you know at least in australia <laughs> we don't always have that the opportunity to have those processes. Well, I wouldn't in place. say it's just an, a national uh, no, problem. I just, just want <laughs> to give shit to Australia. No. No. Just kidding. So, um, okay, so you've done your first feature. Do you want to do another one? Well, that's all I want to do. All I, I mean, not all I want to do, but my passion is in narrative yep. feature films or just anything narrative. That's that's what makes me happy. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, really what i want to do that's what um, you get the enjoyment from i I do too yeah i mean yeah even though the, this film was very stressful um i feel like given the circumstances given everything i went through on this film i feel like i can i can i feel like i can take on a lot now like i'm feel like i'm capable mm. because of you know the challenges I faced with well, this, this film. Is the thing they say, you know, you've got to step outside your comfort zone to to yeah. progress. Yeah, yeah. So when can we see it? So it has been because it's a very low budget film. It's been through a long post process of being edited and then everything pausing because they had no money left and then getting further funding and so it's it's gone through a long period of time. It's coming to the finish line now. I don't have a. It's not a definitive release not date. A, not, not a definitive release date, but I n- it's either going. I think it's going to be early next year. Does it? Does the film have a website or a social media? Uh, yeah, social media. I think on Facebook, it's Align Returns Movie. Um, okay, or cool. Align Returns, and then um, yeah, the production company is Bonafide Pictures, um, and they're at uh, www.bonafidepictures.com.au. Awesome. Well, you have to keep us posted uh, when it's coming out, and uh, I can't wait to see it. And starring Tyler Denawi, and um, I have worked with him. Yeah, he's very he's talented. Very talented, and great pleasure to work with, and um, and a bunch of other great actors as well. All right. Well, we will leave it there. Thanks so much for coming in today. And uh, before you go, just let us know where you are on the socials. I I'll just give my website. Um, it's it's in it'll be in the show notes, but I will spell it out for you. It's uh, SimonColoden dot com. So it's S I M O N K O L O A D I N dot com. Awesome! Thanks for coming in, and you can find me on uh, Instagram at Mick Jones, and we will see you on the next one. Clark Lane is produced by Filthy Look Films. You can find us on Instagram at Filthy Look Films.